This is the NBC Theater. From the NBC Theater in Hollywood, a full-hour drama based on one of the richest novels of American manners, Edith Wharton's The House of Mirth. Edith Wharton was, among other things, the social historian of a fascinating era, an era that she herself termed the Age of Innocence. She wrote of the later decades of the 19th century in and around the estates and mansions of New York, and she both defined and criticized the codes which prevail there. We bring you today one of her most representative works, The House of Mirth, dramatized for radio by Alan Sergo. At intermission, we will bring you a brief essay on the writings of Edith Wharton by Isabel Bolton, author of Do I Wake or Sleep and The Christmas Tree. Here with The House of Mirth by Edith Wharton. It's a lovely estate, isn't it? Yes. Pity these old places have to go. I sometimes wonder if we have the real meaning of progress straight. It was good of Professor Dixon to arrange this outing. He's so sweet when he talks of the past. Oh, there he is now, mounting the steps. Yes, he's going to talk to us. Poor dear. He feels it worse than any of us. He's in fine arts, you know. Shh. Good afternoon. I'm glad to see there are those of us left to whom the passing of an old estate like Belmont is more than the necessary inconvenience that precedes the construction of a new housing development. We are, of course, indebted to the Rosedale Management Company for this final opportunity to inspect the house and grounds. Now, before we make our inspection, I wonder if you join me. Take seats up here on the terrace while I tell you something of what I've learned of the real history and tradition of Belmont. You hear that, sir? He's going to tell us something of Belmont's real history. Mm. Oh, yes. Very good of him. Aren't you going to join him? No, thank you. I believe I'll just sit here on this stone bench a bit longer. But surely, sir... I find it quite comfortable here. All the way from New York to sit on a stone bench? The unspeakable whims of the elderly. Huh? Oh, well, if it's all the same to you... Well, by all means, only hurry. Professor's about to begin. <laughs> Don't want to miss a thing about the real history and traditions of Belmont. There, all seated. Fine. Now, to begin with, the, uh, what you might say, high noon of Belmont took place around 1905. Guests would start out for here from the old Grand Central Station. The high of noon of Belmont, 1905. The, the old Grand Central Station. Why, <laughs> it's Miss Lily Bart. What? You look like you're in trouble, Miss Bart. A beautiful girl like you alone in Grand Central. Oh. 
How do you do, Mr. Rosedale? It's five minutes past three. That means you just missed your train to Belmont, don't it? How did you know I was going to Belmont? All you high societies go there for the first summer weekend. I keep up with these things. And the next train is not due till 5.30. Can I buy you some tea in the meantime? I... Well, I'm afraid not. You see, my dressmaker, this is a perfect opportunity to get some fittings I've been putting off. <laughs> I'll take you there. Why... No, I'd rather not. It's quite close. However, thank you so much. Oh, oh well, it's been a pleasure, Miss Bart. I hope you enjoy yourself at Belmont. Thank you, Mr. Rosedale. Ooh. Quite a close call, Miss Lily. Lawrence Selden, I didn't see you. I saw you and Mr. Rosedale. And if I'm to judge by the pantomime, you've just turned down one of his invitations. To take tea. Do you know him? He's my landlord. Really? And the landlord of many establishments far more impressive than mine. Poor chap. He's trying to beat down the doors of high society, as he calls it, with a fist of gold and a will of steel. He's chosen his metals well. Still, I'm afraid I was sharper with him than I intended. I don't fancy him as an enemy. Oh, you're safe, so long as he knows nothing about you. Nothing he can retail for a place in the social world. <laughs> you know, actually, I'm dying for some tea. Then may I? I remember the next train for Belmont doesn't leave till half past five. Everyone seems to know I'm going to Belmont. Yes, I was invited there myself. Only I'm not going. <laughs> the elusive Mr. Selden. Then it's tea. But where? There's no place close. Well, that is a problem, isn't it? Of course, we could... Uh, no. We could what? Well, it was an impulsive thought. I was going to say that my own place is just off the station. That was impulsive. Nice young ladies wouldn't, would they? Are you nice? Am I? Too nice for that vapid society you keep. Well, the acts of a nice young lady cannot help but be proper, can they? You mean you'll come? <laughs> I'm not dangerous, you know. You make it too tempting. Of course I'll come. How delicious it must be to have a place like this all to oneself. Oh, no, thank you. No lemon. Well, your place at your aunt's is very nice. That shows how seldom you come there. Why don't you come oftener? We get on so well when we do meet. Perhaps that's the reason. Oh, now you can't possibly think I want to marry No, you. no, I suppose I have to absolve you of that. But why haven't you married? There must have been some with the requisite qualifications. Well, you know I'm horribly poor. And very expensive. I must have a great deal of money. Well, take heart. Perhaps you'll meet your capital investment this weekend at the Trenner's. Perhaps. Still, it's a pity you aren't coming. Mrs. Trenner is a special friend of yours, isn't she? Jefferson Grice will be there. He ought to suit your requirements admirably. Very dull, very shy, be rich. Curious you should mention Mr. Grice. Mrs. Trenner has invited him especially for that purpose. It's remarkable how eager she is to marry me off. Can you think why? Uh, more tea? Oh, no, thank you. Do you mind not being rich? I do. Terribly. What do you take me for? A saint on a pillar? I mind horribly. Enough to marry to get out of it? Oh, <laughs> heaven forbid. Ah, there's the difference. A girl must 
A man may if he chooses. Your coat's a little shabby. Who cares? Doesn't keep people from asking you to dine. If I were shabby, no one would have me. A woman is asked out as much for her clothes as for herself. We are expected to be pretty and well-dressed till we drop. If we can't keep it up alone, we have to go into partnership. Get married and... Oh, dear. What is it? The time I hadn't noticed. What time is it? Past five. My train leaves in less than half an hour. I'll see you to the station. Oh, no, please don't. And thank you so much. It's been delightful. And now you will have to return my visit. Are you certain? Certain? About returning my visit? About seeing you to the station. Oh, yes. Goodbye here, please. Well, goodbye then. And good luck at Belmont. Thank you. What's the matter? Why do you hesitate? Well, I've gotten suddenly worried. Worried? About being seen leaving. I mean, by someone we know. Oh, not a chance in a thousand. Here, I'll let you out. It's just down three steps and out the street door. Thank you. Oh. What? Oh, it's just the charm. Oh. Will you let the young lady pass, please? Thank you again. Goodbye. Just down three steps. What? Oh, I, I beg you, Miss Smart. Mr. Rosedale. been nice, hasn't it, Mr. Grice? Our little talk here in the library this morning. Uh, yes, nice. Uh, nice of you to... Uh, that is, put yourself out, Miss Bart. Lily. Uh, Miss Lily. Put myself out? Why, it has been a delight discovering that we have such similar tastes in literature. Yes, uh, delight. Uh, so few young ladies these days show... Uh, I, I mean, uh, well, show such an interest in my... Americana. Your what? My, uh, what we were discussing just now, my my collection of Americana. Oh, yes, indeed, Americana. And do you really enjoy reading your books on Americana as much as they say, Mr. Grice? Read them? Oh, I don't do that. I collect them. Of course. So much more fitting. How fortunate that I happened in while you were here alone. (laughs) Else I might never have learned of your... Endowments. My endowment? That is your literary endowments. Oh, uh, yes, uh, literary. Uh, actually, Miss... Lily. Uh, Miss Lily, uh, actually, I've never dared hope you would be the one to take an interest in my endowments. How ungenerous to yourself. I had imagined you as being more partial to the type of, well, now that Selden chap. It's lovely out, Mr. Grice. The Belmont grounds are always loveliest this time of year. Would you care to? Oh, I'd care to a great deal, Miss Lily. Lovely. Uh, Of course, I shall have to go up for a light overcoat first. These early summer breezes, you know. Yes, of course. And and a few other details. I, I always spray my throat this time of day, but I shan't be much more than an hour. I shall wait for you here. Oh, Miss... Lily, you don't know what I... Later. On the grounds. Yes, of course. Later. Uh, Certainly not more than an hour and a half. Uh Lily Barr. Carrie. Well, I thought it must be you. Whatever in the world are you doing in a library of all places? (laughs) 
hadn't seen you about since bridge last night, where I so incautiously lost my last $300. Oh, why is it we single women who can least afford it do all the losing? Perhaps because we have nothing else to lose but our money. Certainly not our husbands. Ah, but there are advantages to singleness, too. Oh, you can speak in that way. You are single by choice. Yes, by the choice of my two husbands who divorced me. <laughs> Has our hostess been down to see you yet? Judy Trenner? Why me? Oh, you, above all others. It appears she invited Lawrence Selden for the weekend, but the gentleman has chosen not to present himself. She is scurrying around seeking the answer to the riddle in her guests rather than in her own mirror. I wonder that Gus lets her go on so openly, except that really he is no better. Oh, where are the good departed days of dishonor with discretion? They are still with us. But they exist now only for the single girl, who must also be careful not to pursue a course of honor with indiscretion. I'm sure that's very profound. <laughs> However, none of those things will concern me shortly. None of those things... Wait a moment. Jefferson Grice. That was he I saw departing here with that uncommonly free air, like uh, like the lifting of dyspepsia. Mr. Grice was here, yes. Lily, not you. Do you mean to say you've actually done oh, it? Oh, I only mean to say that Mr. Grice and I are getting to be very good friends. I'm waiting now to take a stroll on the grounds with him. Oh, Lily, how beautiful. You know, they say he has 800000 a year and spends nothing except on some rubbishy old books. And his mother has heart disease and will leave him a lot more. Oh, Lily, do go slowly. One never goes any other way with Mr. Grice. I shouldn't, for instance, be in any haste to tell him that he has a lot of rubbishy old books. And don't wear your scarlet crepe de chine for dinner and... Oh, dear. What is it? It's our host, Gus Trenner. So it is. And he's bearing for here as though he really means to see someone. Yes, and I've ceased to be someone with Gus Trenner since my first bloom and my second husband left me. Ah, how do you do, ladies? Hello, Gus. You'll excuse me. I promised Janie Van Osberg I'd join her to watch the tennis. Certainly. I'll see you this evening, Lily. Yes, do carry. How are you, Miss Lily? Sorry I missed you last night. But we've never had reason before to comment on missing one another, Mr. Trenner. Truthfully, Miss Lily, I suppose I've always been more than a little afraid of you. Oh, how needless. But what has happened suddenly to mitigate your fears, however groundless they may have been? Well, perhaps it's just the way my affairs have been going. Did a neat stroke of business in town, thanks to a chap named... Uh, you may know him, chap named Rosedale. You're not doing business with him. Oh, hang it, because he's fat and shiny and has a shoppy manner. Well, in a few years from now, he'll be in society whether we want him or not. Then he won't be giving away a half-million tip on the market in exchange for a dinner. Tip on the market? Yes. He's given me several. But that isn't why I came down here. Miss Lily... I've admired you for a great many years. Yes, Mr. Trenner, I'd be happy to tell Mr. Grice you were here looking for him. Huh? Oh, oh, hello, Judy. I didn't hear you. You were so quiet. Hereafter, I shall sound a klaxon. You say Grice is gone, Miss Bart. Obviously. Yes. Yes, of course. Well, uh, you just tell him I was about. I've really got to hurry. I... I had hoped when I invited you, you would prove amusing to the gentleman. I see I've not been wrong. 
Then it is to compliment me that you have sought me out. I have sought you out to ask if perhaps you received a message in town for me. From whom? Lawrence Selden was to have been here. He would have been a decorative addition. Your husband would have found him to be a charming smoking companion. Did you find him to be that? I have found him always to be what he cannot help but be. A gentleman. I telephoned Mr. Selden this morning and he was not in. Then perhaps you ought to telephone him this afternoon. I am unable to comprehend, Mrs. Trenner, why you should regard me as the special recorder of Mr. Selden's whereabouts. Perhaps I have reason to concede you that distinction. Reason? Miss Bart... I have been led to understand that what you and... What a propitious and... time for an entry in the midst of an understanding between ladies. Mr. Selden. Oh, I knew you would come. And now, how shall we inaugurate your weekend? Shall I show you the new blooms in the far conservatory, Lawrence? Well, uh, perhaps, Mrs. Trenner. Or should you like a stroll by the brook, Mr. Selden? I should love a stroll by the brook, Miss Lily. But that is impossible. I... I was reliably told that Miss Bart was waiting here for someone. Indeed I was, Mrs. Trenner. I was waiting for Mr. Selden. Lily, why did you do it? Oh, these horrid suburban trains. Now you've practically been turned out of Belmont, and that's the least of it. Oh, perhaps it was rash of me to go off with Mr. Selden. Rash? The rashness was not going off with Mr. Grice. Even Judy Trenner kept her hands off him, I will say that. Till Lawrence came down and you dragged him away from her. After that, she had a right to retaliate. Oh, and retaliate she did. What was it she really told Mr. Grice that made him run off on the next train? Don't ask me. Horrors. She seemed to have raked up everything. Some story of your having borrowed money from old Ned Van Alstyne. Did you ever? He's my father's cousin. Well, of course she left that out. And something about your being seen coming out of Lawrence Selden's flat. That isn't true, of course, is it? No, not in the way she meant it to be true. Gus obviously got the story from Mr. Rosedale and told it to Judy. Oh, Rosedale. Well, that makes it all right. All right. Coming from a man like him, people are obligated not to believe it. Or at least not to let it matter. But, Lily, the worst is that Judy Trenner is not finished. And she's dangerous. Dear Carrie, I'm sorry. Only don't reproach me further. I have gone on, haven't I? Well, how did you fare with Lawrence Selden? as I always do. He made me see that after struggling to get all the things I want, I probably shan't want them. But did he offer anything instead? Yes. He would marry me. Against his judgment, perhaps. Only, Carrie, I'm such a coward, I couldn't go back on the life I want. So now you may have lost Selden, too, along with Grice. And I have another concern, the more pressing for my failure at Belmont. Money? I have $20 left after my bridge losses, besides a small income and the pittance my aunt allows me. But I have also the need for re-establishing myself socially now. Gowns, independence from the gifts of friends who will remember them at a time when they had best be forgotten. Yes, money. And where will you get it? 
Single girls don't borrow, not for men. And women are ungenerous lenders. I know. Lily, it would ruin you utterly. I shan't borrow. But then how would you get it? I've thought it out. There is one alternative. And that alternative? Gus Tremor. And I'm such a child about money matters, Mr. Trenner. That is why I conceived this reckless idea of visiting you at your office for counsel. Oh, hang it all. Not reckless at all. Very wise. Wish more women showed your good sense. But here now, it doesn't have to be Mr. Trenner, does it? We know one another well enough for you to call me Gus. Now, don't we? Oh, indeed, I feel at the moment as though you are my truest friend. <laughs> exactly. And uh, no reason why friends shouldn't be just that, is there? I mean, well, you know, Miss Lily, you are... I am poor. Yes, I know that. Oh, that, hang it, that's only temporary. What I was trying You to... see, I have a tiny income of my own, but I'm so ignorant of money matters that I don't know if my aunt's agent, who looks after it, is... Oh, but I didn't mean to stifle you with all this. <laughs> not stifling at all, not at all. Really? Well, then, I thought if you would perhaps take over my investments... As I say, I know nothing of such things... But you used once the word uh, tips. Market tips? Oh, yes. Yes, of course. Tips. Well, you just trust me, Miss Lily. Just trust me. I'll make you a nice, handsome sum of money. And uh, now, if you'd like some tea. Tea? Why, I'd love some tea. Gus. <laughs> Oh, I'm so glad you could come. Oh, yes, of course. Continue smoking. My aunt is away. Well, what is it, Lily? You seem so happy and, and, and moral. <laughs> I always thought that to be a contradiction. I am happy. Carrie, in the two months since Belmont, everything has worked around beautifully. Beautifully. I had to have you over to tell you of it. Why, just today. Oh, the ashes um, behind the grate. They're sure not to be seen there. Today, Judy Trenner called. Judy Trenner? Yes. Apparently, they're in their townhouse for the week. She telephoned and invited me there late this evening, nine o'clock. Judy and Trenner I... telephoned? Why didn't she write? Not customary with her to telephone. Not women. Well, perhaps she didn't have time. Perhaps she was anxious to talk away our difference. But it's so irregular for Judy. Generally, she's so formal in her invitations. Do you think Gus... Oh, no, no. I'm certain it was all Judy's conception. Although Gus has been a great comfort. Do you know he has made me $9,000 already? Mm. It has lifted my worries entirely, entirely. Although he has grown a bit difficult of late, I believe he thinks me insufficiently appreciative. Yet I'm not at all. I, I appreciate it a great deal. Oh, but I haven't told you the most pleasant bit of all. Carrie... You must make a guess. Your aunt has passed on and left you her estate. Dear Carrie, Lawrence Selden has telephoned. I'm to meet him this evening. Lawrence Selden? 
But I understood you were to visit the trainers. I told Judy of my engagement with Mr. Selden, and she has arranged that I can do both. You see, Mr. Selden is going to be at the Van Osburgh party until ten. <laughs> May I sit down? Oh, how uncivil of me, of course. And now, perhaps, with my new independence, well, Carrie, Mr. Selden and I could conceivably make a match of it. Hasn't everything turned out beautifully? Beautifully. Judy Trenner. Well, it sounds like a most Christian arrangement on her part, doesn't it? <laughs> most Christian. But for one disconcerting detail. One detail? Judy, my dear, is a pagan. Oh, Miss Lily, what a surprise. Come in. Sorry to welcome you so informally, but the servants haven't come down yet from Belmont. Well, where's Judy? Judy? Oh, well, the fact is... The fact is she's... She is not well. Not well enough to see me? Doesn't she want me to go upstairs? Why, why no. The fact is she's not up to seeing anybody. It came on suddenly, you know. You won't take a drop just for sociability. I had a good deal myself. Here, where are you going? Don't be absurd, Gus. I'm leaving. Why must you go? Give me five minutes. If had been down, you'd have sat gossiping till all hours. You can't give me five minutes. No, it's always the same story. I can't get near you. I go to those vulgar parties just to see you. There's everybody talking about you and asking me if I'd ever seen anything so stunning. When I come up and say a word, you never take any notice. Gus, I must really ask you to ring for a cab. And supposing I won't ring for one? Then I shall call upstairs for Judy. Call and welcome, my dear. I told you that bit about Judy being upstairs is the only way to get you inside the door. Judy isn't in. She's not expected. You mean we're here in this house alone? Yes. I've been waiting for a quiet time to talk things over. Now I've got it. I mean to make you hear me out. Lily, I want to know just where you and I stand. Hang at the man who pays for dinner is generally allowed to have a seat at the table. Gus, you must see that I can't stay here talking to you at this hour. Why not? You go to men's houses fast enough in broad daylight. Strikes me you're not always so deuced careful of appearances. If you have brought me here to say insulting things... Lily, I'm not asking payment in kind. Such a thing as fair play and interest on one's money. Hang me if I've had so much as a look from you. Your money? What have I to do with your money? You advised me how to invest mine, and I... You mean it was your own money you gave me? Not the returns on my income? That's all right, Lily. It still is. You're welcome to all of it and ten times more. Let me pass. Let me pass. Lily. Lily, where are you going? Come here. Lily. 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 This is it, driver. It's so good of you to bring me to my door, Lawrence. Although I'm afraid you made me insist more than a lady ought. Still, it was a surprise, wasn't it? Meeting you at the Van Osburgh party. Yes, it was. Indeed, no one had any idea you would be there. Oh, please, don't open the cab door. Not just yet. But I, I must. I promised... Well, that is, I told you I have another engagement in half an hour. Just a few moments more. 
It's comfortable in here, and, well, after all, we are friends, and... Yes. Really, Judy, I've got... Oh, only a moment more. I can't understand your insisting so that I stay. Why do you keep looking out like that, as though you expect to see someone? What? Well, I, I, I didn't realize I was. By golly, there is someone. Where? Coming out of your house. Did you leave anyone there? Only Gus. He, he must have had a visitor. It's a lady. I knew I should surprise him one day. Can you recognize her? Not just yet. I can't. Well, what's the matter? Who is it? You see who it is. Lily Bart. From Hollywood, the NBC Theater is bringing you a radio version of The House of Mirth by Edith Wharton. If you are interested in supplementing your enjoyment of these NBC theater productions with home study under college supervision, be sure to listen to the announcement at the close of this program. And now, an essay on the writings of Edith Wharton by the celebrated novelist Isabel Bolton. Edith Wharton's contribution to American literature rests on her ability to write well and from first-hand knowledge about the world of fashion and extravagant society that prevailed at the turn of the century. She came of an excellent family. She had wealth and an unassailable social position. Like her master, Henry James, she was well aware of the change in moral values and the high tide of vulgarity that had, with the appearance of the great industrial barons and their newly created wealth, invaded the small, tight world of correct deportment and gentle breeding into which she was born. She leaned heavily upon Henry James in the formation of her style and the exploitation of her own perceptions. But she was incapable of acquiring the music and magic of his prose, a style incredibly flexible and sensitive that presents to the reader not so much an accurate picture of the society he describes as a series of retreating mirrors, one set against the other, and all of them subtly reflecting the master's moral and aesthetic response to every situation he creates. She evoked no magic. She was unable to do more than bow to his new and extraordinary techniques. Unlike her master, she was a very worldly person. And though this limited her in depth and impaired her sensitivity, it did enable her to contribute something which no other American writer had achieved as well, an accurate portrait of the society in which she moved. She had a precise and appraising eye, and when she cared to use it with discrimination a fine sense of satire and irony. She was more of a realist than Henry James, and her characters, her social gatherings, her houses and lawns and gardens seem somehow far more authentic than his. When, for instance, she wrote about a millionaire, she made him a very valid and believable person, not like some of Henry James' millionaires, an image of perfection, fashioned more on the need to make him good than on scrupulous observation of his living models. No, such mistakes Mrs. Wharton did not make. She was far less innocent than her master. The House of Mirth is, it seems to me, her most important book. Here, New York at the dawn of the century comes vividly to life, and the irony, implicit in her magnificent title, is made the sharper because of her sympathy for her heroine. She has created in Lily Bart, 
one of those tragic spirits of fine and fastidious sensibilities, unable to withstand the corrupting influences of her environment. A truly Jamesian character. Yes, the shadow of the master seems to fall upon this girl. That concludes Miss Bolton's essay. Our radio version of The House of Mirth will continue from Hollywood after a brief pause for station identification. then of what I, as a professor in the fine arts, have been able to deduce of the rich tradition and elevated existence that must have been lived out in this fine old house. This house which tomorrow will give way to a housing project. But before going in to view this doomed monument to an ennobling past, I might tell you there was one year when Belmont was closed down while its owners moved into New York. I believe the year was, uh, let me see... Uh, 1906. Huh? Ah, I see, sir. You've decided to join us on the terrace after all. 1906. Are you sure of that date? I don't seem to have it in my notes. Yes, it was 1906. I had some slight occasion to be close to the occupants that year. Indeed. How fortunate we are to have you with us. Then am I right in saying, sir, that though the house was closed that year, life for this uncrowned aristocracy proceeded with its customary grace in town? Yes, there was life in town. And a death or two. One death, certainly. And one that was certainly to affect the living. Ah, dear Cousin Grace, do come in. Cousin Lily, how sad to meet again on such an occasion. Your dear aunt, what an admirable woman. Have they read her will yet? Not yet. Most of the others are already in the parlor. Shall I show you in? Oh, no, no, no. Please don't trouble. Oh, dear Lily, I know how your grief must unsettle you. I shall find my way. Lily! Oh, Carrie, I'm so glad you're here to fortify me. I don't know how I should have faced all this without weeping. Or worse, laughing aloud. Mm. You know, that is the first time Grace has spoken to me since I came to live here. Before this, I'm afraid she's always considered me rather sinful. What a lot of expiation an imminent $400,000 can purchase. Have you decided yet what you should do with the money? First, I shall repay the $9,000 I owe Gus Trenum. Then I shall settle the debts I still owe. And after that? After that, I shall submit the rest of my fortune as my answer to Judy Trenum's story. But this gathering today has convinced me that they don't wish an answer to indiscretion, real or alleged, but rather an assurance that one can afford to have been indiscreet. But what of Lawrence Selden? Lawrence Selden? Cousin Lily. Oh, yes, Gertie. They've begun the reading of the will. Oh, thank you, Gertie. Come along, Carrie. May I? Oh, you must. You are more family to me than all of them, except perhaps Gertie. <gasps> Lily, it's frightening. I've never been to the reading of a will before. No one seems in the least... Oh, here we are. You see, 
He's finishing the part about the servants. Well, Mr. Kemp, my gardener, $750. We'll take these seats back here. Thank you, Gertie. To my second cousin, Jack Stephanie, $1,500. To my cousin, Herbert Melson, $6,000. To my cousin, Millicent Stephanie, $2,000. To my dear niece, Lily Bart. <laughs> Oh, Lily, it may come to more than 400000 the way she stinted on the others. To my dear niece, Lily Bart, $10,000. Lily, Lily, what has happened? Quite simple, my dear Carrie. I have been disinherited. So good of you, dear Gertie, to come help me pack on my last day in the house. Oh, Lily, I had to come. Especially when I heard that Carrie Fisher was forced to leave for Europe and you were here all alone. She went as a social guide to those pushy gormers, didn't she? Yes. Oh, Lily, it's unjust. It's cruel. It is indeed. Carrie is worth all of them. Oh, no, I mean you. What's happened to you? Having to leave this house, losing the money... And your aunt seems so devoted to you. She led everyone to see... Gertie, be honest. The new will was made only six weeks ago. Obviously, she heard of that business at the Trenners. Then if only Lawrence Selden were here. But he isn't here. He left for France immediately following that night with Gus. Lily, what happened that night? You've never spoken of it. What is the truth? The truth... Where a woman is concerned, it's the story that's easiest to believe. In this case, it's a great deal easier to believe Judy Trenner's story than mine because she has a big house and an opera box, and it's convenient to be on good terms with her. But what is your story? I want you to tell me exactly what happened from the beginning. From the beginning? Oh, dear Gertie, how little imagination you good people have. Why beginning was in my cradle, I suppose. And the way I was brought up and the things I was taught to care for. Oh, no. I won't blame anybody for my faults. I'll say it was in my blood that I got it from some wicked, pleasure-loving ancestress who reacted against the homely virtues of New Amsterdam and wanted to be back at the court of the Charleses truth, Gertie. The truth about any girl is once she's talked about, she's done for. And the more she explains her case, the worse it looks. And now I wonder if you do me a favor. Oh, of course, Lily. This letter. But... On your way home, would you post it for me? Oh, yes, of course. I should be... <gasps> what is it? Oh, you saw the name. I didn't mean to look. Gus Trenner. You wonder why I should be writing to him. Why? No. No, Well, but... that envelope contains a check for the money I owe Gus. And indeed, everyone knows by now that I do owe him money. But where did you... Out of my legacy. The check is for $9,000, which is... Yes, Estelle. I beg your pardon, Miss Bart, but there's a Mrs. Haffin to see you. She's come by the pantry entrance. Mrs. Haffin? Do I know her? I think not. And she won't say what she wants, except that it's private. Oh, perhaps I'd better go, Cousin Lily. I'll look in on you this evening. You're kind, Gertie. Yes, sure, Estelle. Goodbye, Lily. And do try not to fret. Goodbye, Gertie, dear. 
Oh, I shan't forget to post the letter. Oh, thank you. Mrs. Happen? Well, I can't think where... Miss Bart. What? Oh, thank you, Estelle. How do you do, Mrs... Haven't I... Aren't you the char lady at the Benedict? The place where Mr. Selden stays? Yes, and I've got something here you might want to see. You mean... Oh, that will be all, Estelle. Hey, yes, Miss Bart. You mean, Mrs. Haffin, you have found something belonging to me? Well, if it comes to that, I guess it's mine as much as anybody's. I don't understand. Uh, Miss Bart, my husband was janitor to the Benedict till the first of the month. Since then, he can't get nothing to do. Well, I'm sorry you've been in trouble, but I still don't understand why you've come to me. I- I'm coming to that. When we was at the Benedict, I had charge of some of the gentlemen's rooms... Uh, some of them get the greatest sight of letters. Oh, I've never seen the like. Uh, maybe having so many is how they got so careless. But um, Mr. Selden, he was always one of the careful. Mrs. Haffin, are you sure this has anything to do with me? I'm sure it has. Mr. Selden burned his letters in winter and tore them up in little bits in summer. Uh, oh, you understand, I'm talking about the ones that weren't, um, say, uh, decent. Well, sometimes he'd have so many, he'd just bunch them together the way the others did and tear the lot through just once. Like this one. Oh, but this isn't... These are Judy Trenners. What? Well, that is... Uh, these are not signed. How did you find me? Oh, I saw you come out of Mr. Selden's and talk to Mr. Rosedale on the steps. And if you're wondering why I brought them, miss, I uh, brought them to sell. Because I ain't got no other way of raising money. And because I know that you'd want them back. No need of telling you it could go hard with a body who wrote those letters. Yes. It could go hard, the person who wrote them. And... But no. No, I know nothing of these letters. I want to know nothing of them. But that's not sensible, miss. Now, Mr. Sel... Lawrence. What? I hadn't thought of him. Well, as I was about to say... What do you wish for those letters? I'll give you $100. I'm not rich, though you may believe so. $100? Well, now, that's a fair price. I, I'm not unreasonable. True, I wanted a little more, but I was ready to take a lot less. Uh, just as you say, miss, $100. Lawrence Selden, come in. Gertie, I've come to you for help. It's Lily, isn't it? Where is she, Gertie? They told me you might know. I'm sorry, but I don't. I wish I did. Perhaps Carrie Fisher... Carrie is still in Europe. And the others, they seem loath even to discuss her. I have learned that she took a position as a social secretary to a a Mrs. Hatch. That was her second position. The first was the same sort of thing with a family named Bry... She was forced to leave both by hints from Judy Trenner that Judy's presence would hinder their prospects of entering society. The woman is remorseless. And then the only thing she could get was a job in a millinery factory sewing hats. Lily Bart sewing hats. But she lost that more than eight weeks ago. And since then, I've not heard from her at all. I mean to find her, Gertie. And if you do find her... Why, I know this is none of my affair. Will I marry her? Yes. I don't know, Gertie. Actually, honestly, I think not. Not so long as her greatest want is to return to society. 
I know that is her want. But I mean to help her in some way, Gertie. The thought of Lily Bart living among shabby strangers in some dingy room, walking the dusty streets, dealing furtively with unsmiling tradesmen. Here you are, miss. It's a queer acting drug. You don't want to increase the dose, you know. No. No, of course not. You see, I I don't sleep. It's merely... I know what it's for, but I'm saying you don't want to add to the dose. A drop or two more and... Off you go. Yes, thank you. I, I shall remember. Thank you very... Oh, oh, I'm sorry. It's quite all right, ma'am. Lily Bart. Mr. Rosedale. What are you... What am I doing here? This is one of my properties. The proper question is, what are you doing here? I live close by. But you... You look changed somehow. I am changed, Miss Lily. If you've been reading the society notes, well, I finally made the steep climb. A person looks different when they're up where I've got and don't have to be humble anymore. But you... Uh, uh, Miss Lily, what is it? Uh, I don't know. I haven't been well. Well, let me see you home. I believe I can manage her. She's gone all white, Mr. Rosedale. Quick, quick, get me a cab. Feel now, Miss Lily. I still weak. I don't know if it's my illness or your my uh, proposition, Miss Lily. I'm still a man who likes to call things by their right names. I know it seems wild on first hearing my asking to marry you. Something I would never let myself dream before, but now, now I feel I can be of some real help to you. As I said, it can be any kind of marriage arrangement you say. I ask nothing of you, except one thing. And that one thing? Miss Lily, I'm going to be frank with you. The only thing that matters more than marrying you, well, perhaps they're even both the same thing, is my taste for society. I... Well, let, 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 let me finish. Perhaps it's wrong, this taste of mine. Perhaps it's only a wish to get even with those who've laughed at me all these years. Whatever it is, I want it. I want the run of the best houses. I've got it now. But I know the quickest way to queer yourself with the right people is to get mixed up with the wrong ones. Well, surely you must know that I am now decidedly one of the wrong ones. And the reason you're one of the wrong ones, as you say, is that Judy Trenner, for reasons we needn't go into, Judy Trenner did you a rotten turn last spring. Well, the only way you can be made right again is for Judy Trenner to call off her battle and actually back you up in your return to society. But that's unthinkable. Why should she? You'll make her. How? With those letters of hers you bought last year. The letters? But how did... How did I learn about the letters? Perhaps you've forgotten I'm the owner of the Benedict, where Sutton lives, and that char lady worked. Getting on to things is a most useful accomplishment in business, and I've simply extended it to my private affairs. But no matter how, I, I know all about the letters. A char lady bringing them to you, thinking that you were Judy Trenner. A natural mistake, too. For you were the only woman she'd ever seen leaving Selden's arms. Apparently, Mrs. Trenner was careful to see that the things she wrote about in the letters, that they took place away from the Benedict. I, I'm afraid I... Well, let, let, let me go on. How you got the letters is not important. But the letters themselves are. 
Well, and you might say, why do you need me if the letters will do everything for you? Well, the answer is they won't. They won't at all. It's one thing to get Judy Trenner into line, but to keep her there, that's the important thing. To keep her there, you've got to be as powerful as she is. That's where I hope to come in. Together. Miss Lily, together, you and I can be bigger than Judy Trenner and a whole set. Together, you'll be back up there ruling all the Judy Trenners. Back on the top of the only life you know how to live. And living it the only way you ought. From the upper stories. That's it, Miss Lily. That's my proposition. What do you say? Lily Bart. Come in. Sit down. Thank you. I mustn't stay long. I'm on my way to Judy Trenner's. I didn't intend coming at all. Well, whatever the cause, I'm pleased you did come. Do sit down. Let me take your parcel. No. No, I'd rather keep hold of it. Are you returning Judy Trenner's letters to her? Why have you said that? Well, isn't that what friends are reputed to do when they've had a disagreement? I came here to tell you that I may not see you again for a long time. And I want to say I... I have never forgotten the things you have told me about myself. That you're too good for the society that torments you? That such a life could never really satisfy you? Those things are truths. I deserve no thanks for expressing them. Yet you are the only one who has expressed them. And sometimes... Sometimes when I seemed furthest from remembering them, they have helped me. Kept me from really becoming what many people think I am already. I'm glad to have you tell me that. But nothing I have said has really made the difference. The difference is in yourself. It will always be there. I've tried hard. But when I dropped out of the one life I knew, I found I was... I was of no use anywhere else. Lily, you have something to tell me. What is it? Do you mean to marry... You have always said that I should have to come to it sooner or later. And you've come to it now. There's something else I must come to first. Someone I must say goodbye to. The Lily Bart you knew. The one you have drawn for me so kindly. I'm going to leave her here. When I go out presently, that Lily Bart will not go with me. I shall like to think she has stayed with you. Will you let her stay? Lily. Lily, can't I help you? You have helped. Lily, you mustn't speak in this way. You can never go out of my life. Can't you see? Yes. I see that now. Now I shall feel safe. Whatever happens. Whatever happens? What do you mean? What's going to happen? Nothing at present. Except that I'm very cold and that before I go, you must stir up the fire for me. What? Well, that's very easily done. Poke two of the logs. And... What are you doing? Lily, your parcel, you've thrown it in the flames. I shall feel much lighter without it. And now... Goodbye, Lawrence. 
Gertie, what a glorious morning. Faster, driver! Gertie, how insensible I've been. When she left last night, I seemed in a trance. She said goodbye and she was gone, and I found I had not said what I knew I felt. And now you mean to say it. Now I mean to say it as quickly as this cab shall get us there. You gave the driver the right address. Yes, I gave him the right address. How fortunate Rosedale should have known it. And how odd. We shall help her together, you and I. Gertie, what a magnificent day. I feel a sense of new adventure, a new course to be shaped by new stars. I feel that... Oh, this must be the place. He's stopping. Yes, yes, that's number all right. Wait here, Gertie. I shall go in first. I'll call for you in a moment. I shall try to be a minute, driver. Lily Bart's room, please. Uh, yes, we've been expecting someone. It's just here. Is it a friend of Miss Bart's doctor? Doctor? What's happened? Where is Miss Bart? She's in her room. You've been told, of course. Told? Told what? I thought certainly someone had told you before I got here. She was sleeping badly. She must have taken a slight overdose of sleeping medicine by mistake. Overdose? Well, how is she? How does she feel? Oh, I thought you understood. She's dead. All the rest have gone, Lawrence. Even the groundskeeper. And I shall leave her too in a moment, Gertie. Goodbye, Lily Bart. Now perhaps you will rest, unharried by the ideals of a world where conspicuousness passes for distinction and the society column has become the role of honor. I could have helped you only by loving you. But the moment is gone. And I've let it go. Forgive me, Lily Bart. Forgive us all. Forgive even those who in a later time... What a glorious way of life it must have been. This trip through Belmont has certainly borne that out, hasn't it, Misty? Uh, you know, you haven't told me your name. Selden. Warren Selden. Well, Mr. Selden, your presence has been invaluable here today. I never thought I should meet someone who had actually been part of the tradition of this house. You must come visit me at my home and tell me more of the things you have touched on here. And you must bring your wife. I have no wife. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, nothing like that. I just never did have one. Well, then you must visit me alone. And uh, will you join us in our next field trip to another house? No, Professor Dixon. Thank you, but no. No more poking at the dead ribs of dying houses for me. Or it's a fallacy that houses speak to us. Their kindest virtue is their silence. Let them remain silent. They should crumble our ears if they would speak. So no, Professor. Let the houses fall as they will. Let their silences stand as they must.
You have been listening to The House of Mirth, an NBC theater production of the novel by Edith Wharton. If you wish to increase your knowledge and appreciation of literature, we suggest that you might enjoy the college-supervised courses now being offered in connection with the NBC theater. For full information, write to NBC Theater in care of one of the following universities or colleges. The University of Louisville, Louisville, Kentucky. The University of Tulsa, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Kansas State Teachers College, Pittsburgh, Kansas. Washington State College, Pullman, Washington. The University of Arizona, Tucson, Arizona. Texas College of Arts and Industries, Kingsville, Texas. And Brooklyn College, Brooklyn, New York. You also have a chance to win a set of the famous Encyclopedia Britannica. Several of the universities and colleges offering these courses are giving the encyclopedia as prizes to the students doing the best work. So enroll in a supervised course, and you may be one of the fortunate ones to win the Encyclopedia Britannica. Next week, be with us again at the NBC Theater for a dramatization of Theodore Dreiser's fine novel, Sister Carrie. And the following week for Ellen Glasgow's The Romantic Comedians. The House of Mirth was prepared for broadcast by Alan Sergal. Lily Bart was Virginia Gregg, Selden, Whitfield Connor, Rosedale, Sidney Miller, Trenner, Stephen Chase, Grice, Parley Bear, Carey, Lois Corbett, Mrs. Trenner, Ida Reese Marin, Dixon was Charles Seal, Grace, Alice Backus, Gertie, Eve McVeigh, Mrs. Haffen, Noreen Gamill, and the young man, Tom Holland. Your announcer, Don Stanley. Our intermission essay was written by Isabel Bolton. The director of the NBC Theater is Andrew C. Love. This program came to you from Hollywood. Today is Sunday, and one of Broadway's top comedy dramas will be brought into your living room this evening by the Theater Guild on the Air on NBC. It's Burlesque with Ann Southern and Bert Lahr, the star who played the lead in the Broadway revival of Burlesque in 1947. For an hour that will shine with good humor, be sure to join Bert Lahr and Ann Southern on the Theater Guild on the Air this evening on NBC. You're tuned for the stars on NBC.